0: Welcome to The Step, a podcast for and about unstoppable individuals presented by Pop Sugar and Sorrel. I'm your host, actress and singer Katie Stevens. Last season, we heard from fearless individuals who boldly take up space in pursuit of their dreams. This season, we're celebrating those individuals who embrace creativity and opportunity no matter the challenge in front of them. Join us. Staying true to yourself in the face of adversity is a skill we can all strengthen. You know, as soon as we
1: come out the wound, we are constantly being shown ideas that mold us into whatever the world wants us to be. Like as a child, we go to, all go to school, To be simulations, to be robots, to literally get in line. We're going to the next class. We're going to the auditorium. My whole life has been kind of a big rebel up against the simulation.
0: That is my first guest, Lena Bloom, an actress, model, and activist. The woman who made history in July 2021 as the first openly transgender Black and Asian American model on a Sports Illustrated annual swimsuit cover. She is the first woman of color to lead in a movie at the Cannes Film Festival for her role in Port Authority and was recently featured in the movie Asking For It that premiered at the 2021 Tribeca Film Festival. Currently, you can catch her starring in the FX hit series Pose. And those are just the headlines. She is the embodiment of courage, using her voice to pave the way for representation in her community. So, Lena, welcome to The Step. Hey. I'm so
1: happy to be here and have this beautiful conversation. Let's do it.
0: Yes, I'm so excited. Um I just want to start out I'm going to start out with all my guests asking them to share their favorite quote or mantra, you know, something that you wake up and tell yourself every day to kind of, you know, get yourself going. Okay.
1: Um so I've been telling myself this um, ever since I was a kid, um, if you can see it, feel it, taste it, teach it, create it and dream it, then it is real.
0: Ah, oh, I love that. Yeah, I need that because my mantra lately has just been put one foot in front of the other.
1: I like that one also.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really, I mean, I just am such a fan of yours I have so many questions, but I guess I'll just start out with, you know, growing up, how did you view the industry? Was Was it something that you always felt like you wanted to do? You know, did you always want to kind of model and act? Was that a, a passion of yours from the get-go?
1: I think when I was a child, I was raised around so many artists. My my grandmother, my auntie, my father, my mom, my great-grandmother, they were all like dancers, actors, painters, knick-knack collectors, based around art in some aspects. So I felt like I was it was just kind of in my blood to just choose the industry, but I was very very afraid because in the time um when I was growing up, there was zero to no representation and what I knew and from what I was heard from like all around Chicago was like Hollywood is racist because America's racist. So if you're going to try to go into this direction of entertainment, just know that you're going to get a thousand no's. So just don't try.
0: And do you think that that, you know, deterred you? Or do you think that that kind of lit a fire under you to be like, well, I'm going to make it happen?
1: It made me extremely sensitive. Not sensitive in a bad way. Sensitive in a really, really good way. Because everything about me had to be like... If I was going to be in this, I wanted to be able to do my own hair, makeup, styling. I wanted to be able to sing, dance, act. I wanted to be able to also be a comedian. I also wanted to be able to rap. I always wanted to do singing. I didn't want to limit myself. I think for people of color, when you go into something, you kind of have to have like this CEO boss mentality of like, mm. they're going to say no, but at least you know that you perfected your craft. So you're going to get that yes eventually. So that's just the mentality of like a Chicago Midwest person. is just like, go hard or go home. And when it's time for showtime, someone might get hurt or it might be an accident or you're going to be an understudy. So you got to be able to step up to the plate and really like take your chances because you don't get that many anyway.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's so true. And I love what you said about You know, being a sensitive person, I'm a very sensitive person, but I think that sensitivity is strength. And I Mm -hmm. think that in order to be an artist, you have to be able to tap into your sensitivity and your vulnerability, because I feel like in any art form, whether it be dancing or acting or singing, you have to be able to show your emotions through your art. And so, you know, I think that being a sensitive person is your biggest strength in this industry.
1: Yeah, you have to really understand the climate you're in to really be a force in it. You know, um, you have to really be conscious of your surroundings and be conscious of different people's, you know, backgrounds and Mm. um, have this tolerance, this high tolerance towards this world that we're in. So I wanted to just be prepared for the unexpected.
0: Absolutely. Can you pinpoint a moment that you knew that you were meant to be an entertainer or that you kind of had that spark of being like, I have to do this forever?
1: Yeah, I think when I was a little kid, um, when I was when I was being introduced to the queer culture, especially the black queer culture, I was noticing that a lot of black and brown bodies had so much talent, but they wasn't on TV, they wasn't, you know, in movies, they wasn't on the catwalk, they wasn't designers, you know, so I just mm-hmm. felt like there was a space that I needed to feel that void was there. And I wanted to really own it. I wanted to really, Say like I'm not going to be the one that just has the talent but doesn't do anything with it. I wanted to really shake it up and being a person of color and being queer person trans, you know, there's no history in the world. There's you look back 500 years in the past, you don't really see like. And this year, this person did that, you know, and it's not in our history book. So that was an opportunity for me to say, oh. I can make history and leave something on this earth and we can have some history on this earth finally. So
0: um Absolutely. Yeah. I mean and and you're doing it. What was what what came first in terms of your artistry? Was it acting, dancing, modeling, or did it all kind of coincide together?
1: It was dance. I had to learn about my body. Yeah. I had to learn about why my body is moving. Why uniquely I'm different? Why are people making fun of my body? Why am I having so many issues with my body? And I wanted to really, really understand the music and the poetry and the vibrations that I can create with my body. So that was where it started at. And that led me to modeling and modeling led me to public speaking and public speaking led me to acting and acting is leading me to be maybe one day a first to be reckoned with.
0: Well, I think you already are a force to be reckoned with, but I... I'm
1: still a baby, so I'm just, I, I got to pay my dues. I,
0: well, you, yeah, but at the same time, you know, it's its one of those things as you get older and you get further into this industry with with as many things as you've accomplished so far, you're paving the way for other women like you to come up in this industry and, you know, be an equal force. And, you know, I, I love that you started out with dance, you know, being, being an actor, you realize that there is such a mind body connection Mm -hmm. to everything that you do. And, and it's, it's that way when you're just, you know, living your life as well. But even during the pandemic, I, you know, I danced when I was little, but, you know, I didn't want to go to practice. And so my mom didn't (laughs) make me go anymore, but I always watched people dance and I was just so I just had that in me where I was like, oh, I want to be able to do that, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I can't. And I just got to the point in the pandemic where I was like, you know what? I can do anything that I want to. I can decide that I want to try dancing now. And so I started taking classes and, you know, I'm not a ballerina by any standard, but just learning about my body, I think that it gave me the empowerment to be like, oh, I'm beautiful in this body. I'm sexy in this body. There's so much that I'm capable of in this body. And it just extends to so many different parts of your life that you don't even realize. It's the best
1: form of self-love. Yeah. It's dancing.
0: Yeah. It's unreal. And for me, I'm like, you know, I don't know how to pirouette or do anything of the technical nature, but it makes me want to learn that. It makes me want to further figure out what my body is capable of. We
1: there's no age limit on limit on like our creativity. We can never limit our creativity. So the day that we die, we must constantly challenge ourselves, constantly challenge our creativity, constantly be aware um of what we can create with our bodies regardless where we're at. And it's a powerful tool. It's our most viable asset, honestly. Yeah.
0: And now in in addition to being a model and an actress and a, a dancer. You have spent a lot of time doing activism work so can you talk more about that and and how you got into that and you know what you're doing with with that now?
1: Absolutely. My dad was really into the revolution. Mm. He was really into this black power, power to the people. Um, I remember as a child, I was constantly seeing him watching and educating himself on politics based around people of color, the lineage of, you know, where we have come from as people and to really fight for what we want. You know, I think the first person I actually learned about was Malcolm X. So it was in my bloodstream from a very young child, because that's kind of the milk that was being fed to me of, you are powerful, you are a person of color, you need to go out in the world and speak up for people, speak up for yourself. Um, And he constantly, out of all his children, he constantly, like, educated me over and over and over, because he knew that I would be policed. He knew that I would be subjected to... um, Bullying and ridicule around the world, being a woman of color, going to any space in the world, people already don't even see you as a full human, on top of the fact that you're trans. So I was constantly being bombarded by people in every space and every room I was going into that was trying to take my voice, police my body, tell me how I should live, especially in the modeling world and in the dancing world. I had to put my foot down and say I deserve better. Yeah. I want better. And in 2018, I think that's when I really started building my confidence to speak out. Before then I was going to, you know, protests and rallies, that's just something that I just I did because it was what I had to do. But that first form of activism was, I made a Twitter post saying I wanted to be the first trans woman of color to walk the Victoria's Secret runway. And it turned into a campaign that went worldwide, that went viral. And right after that, the same year, Fenty Beauty and Savage, Savage Fenty, yeah. Rihanna's basically line started to come out about body positivity and different backgrounds. Browns and, you know, um, different walks of life, different shapes, different sizes. Ed, the guy at Sports Illustrated, when he responded to the press about, you know, why haven't you responded? You know, this trans model wants to be in Victoria's Secret. He basically said, this is not a part of the fantasy. Curve models and trans models, especially trans models are not part of the fantasy that we're trying to portray. So I think that allowed a lot of people that were being singled out in this fashion world to start working for the first time in their entire life. And, yeah. you know, it changed the world in a lot of ways. Ex- I'm not saying I did it all on my own, but it kind of like that was no, the but you were part point. of it
0: and part of yeah. that conversation and part of helping to pave that road. And so, what was it like? How did it come about for you to then be in Sports Illustrated, be on the cover?
1: Yeah. Well, the reason why I got on the cover of Sports Illustrated was not because I was beautiful. It was because I had a voice and I could speak to people. And that's what their audience is now heading into is how can we speak to people? How can we not only be beautiful, but how can we also be able to communicate our beauty in a different way? So, I mean, there's like 50 other girls in the Sports Illustrated magazine franchise and they had a trans model last year be the first trans woman ever to be in the magazine. Mm -hmm. And I think right off the back of me speaking to MJ Day, who is the editor, chief of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit, um, was our ability to communicate with each other, my ability to cross over into her world and be able to her to see a gaze through mine. Yeah, And they wanted to invite people to think differently. They wanted to let people know if you don't like this, you can go somewhere else. And I was very lucky to get that. So my Cover, I don't see it as a typical sports illustrated cover. I see it as a, a political statement, um, a form of activism. You know, trans bodies are being murdered every single day, all year, every year, unsolved case after unsolved case. And this is how we say trans models, especially trans women of color, are beautiful and we're gonna put them on our cover yes. where is centered around a legacy of fetishizing the woman's body. So I was so lucky to be able to be a part of that political statement, along with Megan DeStuy and also Naomi Osaka. Oh my
0: gosh. It's just a bunch of queens on the cover. Exactly. It's a struggle. You know, I am more aware now than ever of how lucky I have been in my life to always see myself represented and we need to have more representation of the way that the world actually looks you know the world doesn't right. just look like me the world the world is colorful and beautiful and i'm so happy now that people are able to watch television they're able to look in magazines and see themselves and see that really anything is possible for them you know people can look at you and see that they can achieve their dreams and they can be that force to be reckoned with we'll be right back with some rapid fire questions Your shoes tell a story about not only who you are, but where you're heading. Because of that, your footwear should be as unstoppable as you are. That's why Sorrel Footwear designs shoes that define and defy the trends. From sporty sneakers to wear all week wedges and boots, their shoes will level up your look literally. So we are gonna, if you're down for it, I'm gonna do a little this or that pop quiz.
1: I'm down. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So this or that, early bird or night owl?
1: Early bird, recently, but when I was a kid, it was night owl.
0: Yeah, see, I'm bad at this or that because I would say that I'm neither. (laughs) I don't like to wake up in the morning and I want to go to bed early.
1: (laughs) I have my best thoughts and I do my best writing in the morning, but all my ideas come at night.
0: (laughs) I love that. Okay, neutrals or bold colors?
1: Both, actually. It depends on my mood, I guess.
0: Today I'm in neutral. Same. I'm in all black. <laughs> um, your vacation type, leisure or adventure? Adventure. Oh. Love it. I'm the same. <laughs> I'd rather hike up a mountain than lay on a beach.
1: <laughs> That's a that Sagittarius in me. I need to see something that Whoa. I have to see. You're a Sag? I'm a Sag. My rising is Sag. I'm a Taurus sun, um, but I invoke the Sag. I
0: am a Sag and a Taurus rising.
1: Oh, my God, girl. Get over yes. here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm sending you a hug. Yes, I'm sending you a hug. Okay. I'm receiving Sneakers. It. Sneakers or boots?
1: Sneakers all day,
0: every day. Same. Same. Okay, last one. Overdressed or underdressed? Underdressed, definitely. I like minimalism, minimalism as much as possible. Amen. Yeah. Um. I think I used to be overdressed because I would rather like look fierce anywhere that I was going. But yes. then after the pandemic, I was just like, you know what? I just want to be comfortable. So simplicity is comfort. <laughs> is so Yes. I really love that, like, sweatpants and blazers are coming back. Mm, Like, wearing mm. them together. Because you can look professional but be comfortable. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, look at this. I'm so excited. Sag and Taurus coming together. I am such a fan of Port Authority. What was that like, being able to tell that story? I know you said that coming up in... The queer community in New York and going to balls. And, you know, that was your first kind of spark. So what was it like being able to tell that powerful story through a film like Port Authority?
1: Yeah, I was actually, as an actress, we are not often offered to be in the casting spaces of entertainment. So mm. um, when when there is opportunity for us to tell our stories, I'm very, very hands-on with my uh, my manager about finding those stories. I don't mm. want to be centered around something that is fetishizing us. I want something that is real, something that is authentic. Yeah. 2018, Daniel Lesovitz started to move with Port Authority. In 2019, it went to the Cannes Festival. We shot it in 2018. It didn't come out until this year, For me, the reason why I chose to do that film is because it wasn't, they were looking for real. People. They were looking for someone that mm. is really from the ballroom community. They're looking for someone that was yeah. really a trans woman that has like really been in the scene for a while. A lot of movies or TV shows that are sent around trans, especially black trans women, they're hiring trans women. I mean, thank you for hiring us, but they're hiring a lot, like for for, for example, Pose. And I was on that show also. But 90% of the cast, the lead cast of Pose is not from the ballroom scene. They're actors playing. People from the ballroom scene, you know, um, there's a certain mm-hmm. like, there's a certain energy, there's a certain lost of life, there's a certain unbalanced and balanced life that a queer Black person that's raised in the projects, raised in homeless, raised in the welfare system, that really invokes what the ballroom is, you know, this is the only place in the yeah. world where we can go to be ourselves, to be Everything that we imagine that we cannot be. And the casting director was actually going to the balls, looking at raw people. That have no background in acting, that are really have the scrapes and have the bruises, and I was just like, "This is not just—they're just looking for someone to just fill a space. They're looking for people that actually, like I said, have the bruises and have the scars." So it was morally right for me to be part of this project. And they didn't just give me the opportunity right off the back. I had to audition like two hundred other trans women in New York City and like thousands of other trans women around the world. I don't remember hearing that there was trans women in France that was auditioning to play. by important authority. So they wasn't just saying yes to just anyone, just to feel this void, yeah. just to be visually politically correct. They were actually looking for authentic life forms that really come directly from the community. And I was so lucky that they narrowed it down to me, which actually was the last character to be cast in the film. So I just wow. I, I love doing projects that have purpose that have a message that is real and the people that are playing the stories are are, are from the real spaces and not just like people yeah. that are like oh well I just want to be an actor this seems like a nice role no this is something that I have manifested for me and the women that I look up to have manifested for them and the idea that I get to do this I get to breathe life into this and they get to bring life into me so um, it was yeah. more than just a check. It was more than just notoriety. It was something that I could leave, like I said, like Sports Illustrated back on this earth that people can um, lift off of. And I made history doing that. So it's just, it's a double dose of like realism. So I'm really, really excited when I get to do projects that are like that because they really speak to our community and they lift up our community and they don't exploit our community.
0: Absolutely. And And did you film... I mean, were you doing Pose and Port Authority around the same time?
1: No, I was doing, I did Port Authority first. I actually got offered to come and do Pose the first season, and I turned it down. I just felt like I wanted to see what the first season would be like um, and how authentic it would be. Because I just, I get very frantic when I see a lot of white people sensationalizing our stories and how they do it. And they thought it was a beautiful show and think we have this form of representation, but I felt like the real leaders of the community are kind of voiceless in that. It's just, it's Uh. really, um, I'm very torn. I was very lucky to work on the show the last season. I just honestly, for me, 50 years from now, when we look back and we look at how the world shifted and what was the transition through the shift, Pose is definitely going to be part of that conversation in some way, shape or form. I wanted to be a part of that experience.
0: Of course. Do you feel like you took your experience of... Being so creatively involved with Port Authority and telling those stories of authenticity, did you feel like, well, I can now go to Pose and kind of bring the authenticity. And now that I feel like I have a creative voice to speak out with, bring that to a show that maybe needs a little bit more authenticity?
1: No, I didn't, honestly. Um it's the beginning of the of these conversations. So yeah. people are not going to get it right. So it's just, it, it's something that I've been dealing with. Um, and yeah. a lot of trans bodies have been dealing with. It's just like people wanting to be politically correct and be on trend, but they really don't invest in the knowledge and the history of what it's trending, yeah. And they just do it because it's just like, oh, ballroom is so cool. I like bogeying. but do you yeah. have you watched Paris is Burning? You know, have you sat down and like bought dinner for you know someone from the scene? No, you haven't. So you really don't really understand the values of our livelihood, but you really want to make money off our livelihood. And yeah, that's just another thing I've I've been dealing with. You know, yeah, that I've been speaking about, and sometimes. I get blacklisted because I speak out, but we have to be real with each other. Yeah. You know?
0: People People need to know if the industry is actually trying to show a, more representation and, and more authenticity in these stories, then the people who are living those stories need to have a voice in those stories being told Absolutely. and need to, need to be a part of the creative process. You know? And I find that There are just so many shows that will be writing these stories and are are seemingly a really progressive show and story being told, but the representation that is in the rooms isn't authentic to the stories. If there's one person of color in the room or one queer person in the room, they cannot be expected to talk about the entire experience of the Black and queer community. You can't do it. And they say that they're trying, you know, they're filling it's these rooms and, and and it's not trying. You need to have people from all different backgrounds because one person of color's experience is different to another person of color's experience. Right. And one queer person's experience is different than another queer person's experience. So... I hope that the industry is going to start having more of a standard of having these rooms be actually representative of the stories that they're trying to tell and the way that the world looks. Like I said before, I get frustrated on, you know, when I'm on a show and there's not that representation in the room, even though people are, quote unquote, like I said, trying, try harder.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for poor authorities, I took it my responsibility to hire trans people for that show. Like for example, yeah. I it was my first film I ever did and I wanted to make sure that I was truly giving some type of form of a masterpiece in some way shape or form. And I didn't have a lot of like experience acting, so I hired a a trans black woman to be my acting coach. You know, yes. to make sure that not only am I doing this right, but it's, it's under the direction of someone from my experience. And that for me gave me more wings, more wingspan to fly because I knew that um, I was protected in full. You know, yeah. um, how can you have a whole show about black and brown bodies when everyone in position of power is white?
0: Yeah, you can't. You can't. I am blown away that that was your first film. My god. <laughs> <laughs> and now this other film asking for it. How did how did that come about? Like what is the for those who aren't familiar with it, what is that story?
1: Asking for it is about a girl named Joey that gets kind of sexually harassed and raped by her childhood friend. She ends up joining a girl gang. And in that girl gang, there's a bunch of girls who go against racism and men that have raped women that drop pills and girls drinks and just the whole thing. And we just go on this rampage of just destroying this white supremacist mentality. And my character, her name is Jet. And she's just this gunslinging girl that is ready to shoot anybody that steps in her way that is not giving her permission to live and breathe her most authentic self.
0: Badass.
1: Yeah, we got to put the guns back in our hands because we're the ones often being shot and killed in the world. Yes. So that was the reason for me to do that project is for people to see representation of trans women in some type of martial arts and some type of, you know, um militant way because we can't join the army, we can't go and you know be on the police academy and be police Ugh. forces. So, this is a way that we can actually see that visual of a trans woman shooting a gun and getting the shot. So, everything has some type of messaging behind it. Whatever I do yes. has to be invoking the mind in some way, shape, or form.
0: That is so powerful, especially because in this industry, you know, like especially with struggling actors, you know, you don't always have the ability to choose what comes to you in terms of a project. There are a lot of struggling actors that are like, you know, this isn't necessarily what I envisioned that I would be doing or the type of show that I've always dreamed about being on, but it's a job and I'm going to take it. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's so powerful to have that sort of Plant your feet on the ground and, and be like, no, I'm going to do projects that only mean something and that have a message and, you know, are are leading to something, some sort of positive change in the world. My mentor always said to me, it's not what you say yes to, it's
1: what you say no to that builds the character.
0: Amen. I need to write that down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I live by that every day. Like my agents, I just signed with CAA a year ago and
0: Yes, welcome to the family. Yes, I love it. I love
1: it over here. It's been a it's been a real journey. Um, yeah. They send me a lot of stuff and they get kind of like, they hate me when I say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be this black girl that's just our best friend to a white girl again. Yeah, I'm not going to be a prostitute towards a drug dealer and we're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a sex worker. You know, like I just, they get mad at me and I'm like, I have morals. Yeah. Hello. I have more. Well, and it's
0: also like you said, it's about telling stories that aren't fetishizing your body and not being the typical, you know, what society wants to place women in these roles of being the prostitute or being just there for a sexual purpose. Right. And you you have been able to find the stories that mean more.
1: And if I want to take my clothes off, I'll take my clothes off, but it has to be poetry. It has to be beautiful. It has to be, I have to see it before it's being going through finishing and through all these different hands, you know, Um, I I make sure that's part of the contract.
0: Yeah. Well, and I also, you know, just uh, in a general sense, I feel like I watch so many films that have some aspect of nudity, where I always, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, if the film could not be the film that it is without the nudity, then I don't always understand why it's there. Like sometimes you can tell that there's a male gaze telling the story when it's like, well, why did that, the, the movie still could have existed if that girl didn't have to take her top off. You know, it could have still been there. And so I think that, you know, even stories like Amelia Clark. You know, she did nudity at the beginning of Game of Thrones when she felt that it was necessary. And then, you know, from what I've read, she chose not to take her clothes off again because she knew that her body was being fetishized. Right. And I think that it's so powerful to be a woman and say, you know i'm going to choose when i do that i'm going to choose i'm when in charge my of body, my sexuality i am in charge of my sexuality i'm in charge of my body and you know for for women i think that it's so important to like find that empowerment and you know i i still feel like i'm trying to find that every day of using my voice and learning when i should stay strong and say no and it's difficult so how, how has your mindset shifted in the last five to 10 years that like taught you to unapologetically own your standards and your space and know when to say no and, and know when to stay firm in what you want and what you need?
1: I think humans, we are very fragile people and it's all about how you communicate to people what is important and what is not important. I think that is my ability and that's a power that I have because a lot of the work I'm doing has been able to cross over or has been able to be the first to do something so people can see the introduction of it done in a way that has never been done before. Um, It's my I think it's my ability to communicate with people, you know, um, before anything, I'm an intellectual, so I'm constantly looking for a brain. I'm constantly looking for how do I speak to everyone at the same time from all different walks of life so everyone everyone can walk away and say, hmm, aha, I that's something to think about, you know inviting people to think differently. That is yeah. kind of, you know, that is that is literally where we're at. That is Instagram. We're inviting people to see things differently. We're inviting people to think differently. So I think it's just, I'm so lucky to be able to work with these brands where I can talk and I can speak and I can do voiceover. And a lot of my work is about my voice and my, my way to be able to look at people in their soul you know, yeah. and be able to talk to them and touch them in ways that they've never been able been tapped into. So like I said, I'm still a new kid on the block. So I'm just trying to get started. And I think the next steps for me is to really expand my education. And at the same time, I can educate other people. So like I said, that's how I got on the cover of SI. That's how I got important authorities is, is talking yeah. to people. So thank you yeah. today for inviting me to speak.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I am just so happy that I'm talking to you and, and having this conversation because... It's healing. It's it's healing and it's just like so important to have these conversations. And, you know, I am learning so much from you. So thank you. And I'm just so excited for everything that you're going to do in mm-hmm. this life. But I do I do kind of want to touch on, especially this last year, that we've had and everybody has dealt with it differently in terms of their mental health. But I feel like being in this industry, you cannot have a conversation without discussing mental health and what happens to you when you kind of get into this industry. And this year I've faced feeling depressed for the first time. And I don't know if that's because I thrive being a social person and, you know, feeling the isolation of everything and having filmed during the pandemic and seeing everything that was happening in the world and feeling so helpless and stuck inside, you know, during all of this it's just, and then compounded with the fact that, you know, you're always being told in this industry, you're to this or you're to that, or mm-hmm. you're not enough this, or you're not enough that, especially in the past year when we've all had a second to sit and think about what matters in life. I think for me, it kind of felt like an avalanche that just kind of <laughs> came down. And I'm happy to say that I've through therapy and self-care and stuff. I've been working on that. But how do you deal with battling with your mental health?
1: My whole life, I've kind of like isolated myself. So when it's time to get ready to go to work, I was I was fully charged all the time. Mm. I think the pandemic literally allowed me to not just isolate myself from everyone, but to really process past, present, and future, you know, and how humans are so easily molded, you know, since we were kids, you know, as soon as we come out the womb, we are constantly being shown advertising and pictures and ideas that mold us into whatever the world wants us to be, you know, and I think for me um, at a very young age, I kind of took those chains off of me, And I said, I'm going to live life the way I want to live. You know, we we really like as a child, we go all go to school to. Be simulations to be robots to follow in the line of literally it, get in line. We're going to the we're going to the next class. We're going to the yeah. auditorium. It's literally simulations of how we can be the same. And if there's one person in your school that stands out, that was me. You know, yeah, I was rebelling and I I, I wore the the extra jewelry and I got in trouble because I was out of uniform. And my whole life has been kind of a big rebel of against assimilation. Yeah. You know, and especially in America. In other parts of the world, people thrive and get financial gain off people just being what they want them to be, which is assimilation. You know, yeah. so I just, I had to honestly, in order for me to like love myself, I have to really dive deep into my imagination and dive deep into the outer realms of my mind to really express myself and to understand that that is where I can find refuge in myself is just being my most authentic self. And we're around so many people every single day that just literally are so used to just seeing things a certain way. So when someone stands out, their only response is, no, don't do that. Or, oh, you can't do this. You know, we dealt with it with racism and slavery and women's rights and then gay rights. And now we're dealing with trans bodies being Mm -hmm. policed. Can't go and get a medical, can't go and be in the army can't play sports, you know. My whole yeah. life I've been kind of being policed to. Oh, if you act this way, you can't be on this team. So it just puts me in a position to always like think of what else is there to do. So that's why I rebelled in dance. You know, they t- gave me a full scholarship to dance as a male. I'm not a male. I'm. Yeah. I don't want to be dancing potato. De I want to be da- I want to be a soloist and. I don't want to conform to what you want me to be. I want to be my most authentic self. And that's not part. We can literally be who we want to be. You know, trans people are the only people in society really that's rooted in figuring out who they want to be and rebelling against the entire system. And that's why they hate it so much because they really don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks. And that's why they're being murdered and they're being killed. And the people that are killing them are the ones that are trying to
0: just assimilate. Yeah. Like you said, being raised in that sort of simulation of falling in line and the, the, the things that you're also digesting while you're trying to do that, like growing up and the only people that are like on the covers of magazines mm. are these like stick-thin models. And, you know, they're also like six feet tall. And growing up, I was like, I'm never going to look like that. I'm never going to be, you know, I'm petite. I'm curvy. I'm never going to be the ideal of what people want. And there are some people that get to the point where that kills them, yep. you know, feeling like they're not enough. Kiss and slowly. it's... And it's the good and bad thing now of social media where, like, you see more representation. You see different shapes and sizes of of bodies, and it makes you feel not alone. But then in the same regard, you're seeing everyone's highlight reel and you're seeing how wonderful everyone is doing on the internet and occasionally you get the posts of people really wanting to be real and you know talk about their mental health or talk about their struggles and you know you have those kinds of things but it's still the same kind of simulation in a weird way that like everybody is trying to showcase their best selves on social media and you know everybody says you know social media is not real, and it's that thing that you do have to. It's real if you
1: believe it's real.
0: Yeah, it's real if you believe it's real. And so it's like sometimes I have to do like the social media cleanse, where I'm like, I'm gonna just be off this for a couple weeks Delete and just grow. Yeah, and just like live in my real life and live mm-hmm. in the things that I can touch and the things that I could feel and the things that I could hear, see, taste. You know, like you were saying. In the beginning of our chat today, but it is so important because the lines of what's real become blurred a little bit, you know? Yeah,
1: I, I for so many years, I've literally been at the bottom of the food chain and over the past three years through these huge moments I've had have really pushed me front and center on top of the food chain so yeah. I was very lucky to go through those years of yeah. you know trying to find my way and dealing with homelessness and dealing with you know the nose and all the haters and stuff so where I'm at I just feel like a lot of the models that uh, I work with they don't understand my line of work they're like how mm-hmm. do you how wait you have a voice <laughs> Like, oh, you talk about real stuff that I think about, but I can't speak on because I want to get this campaign. It's just like, girl, that campaign don't care about you. Yeah, That campaign is going to use you and they're going to find somebody else better than you. So it's just, it's really mind manipulation and... I'm so lucky to be where I'm at. And I feel lonely here a lot. So I just honestly, I'm just gonna keep on doing it and just seeing where where this world's gonna take us. Like everything right now is connected. We have politics, we have religion, we have entertainment, we have sports, we have, you know, education, we have military, we have it all intersected into each other. Like before yeah. it was all separated. Now it's literally you can be an influencer and be be in politics and do a film and do a commercial and have a beauty line and have a lingerie line and do it all. So I just honestly, like, who knows what's going to happen in the future? And humans, we are an evolving species. We're always involving, like, look how far we have come. So it's just, I can't imagine what, what we're going to talk limitless. about. Yeah, it's yeah. limitless. But like, imagine where we're going to be five to 10 years from now, you know, like everything that we expected that is going to happen in 2021, 50 years ago. Yeah didn't happen or it happened beyond our expectations. So 50 years from now, what we are expecting is small compared to what's going to actually happen. So that's the world I'm living in constantly. If like, you know, 50 years from now, what is the world going to be like? Are we going to be talking about trans rights? And we're humans. We're all humans. If we can bleed and we piss and shit, then we are humans. Why are you trying to separate me when we all just are just trying to survive? The world is literally through climate change and through politics, like if we don't get our crap together, we are gonna be a, a dying species eventually. Like we Amen. are really so blinded by the truth. And the people that are trying to tell us the truth, we're ignoring them. And we'd rather go watch reality TV than actually sit down and listen to ourselves. Like it's yeah. just it's a really crazy world that we're living in because people are just are blinded, like are just completely blinded. And I just have to stay grounded and in my realism and what's real and what's not real. So
0: I mean, it's interesting, like, talking about what what the future is going to hold and stuff. If you could go back, like, looking at your past, what is, like, a piece of advice that you think really changed the game for you in terms of who you have then become?
1: Okay, so when I was a little kid, I was just this very feminine energy, and um, I was trying to simulate myself to be normal. And, you know, be a male dancer, dress like this, cut your hair, don't wear that, you know, trying to assimilate for a position of power, you know, position of idea or a position of like wealth for me at that that time. And um, if I could go back, I would tell my younger self, it's like, if you... Are a girl, and you think that you are a girl. If you believe in your heart that you are a fem, or light of femininity, invoke that and embrace that because that's your superpower. You have yes. every right to be whoever you want to be. Don't let anyone tell you anything. If you want to take hormones, take your hormones and enjoy your life.
0: Amen. On your own
1: terms, you know?
0: Yes. Okay. So I wish that this could go on forever, but Same. I know that we. Have lives to get back to, but I am just obsessed with you, in love with you. You are so wonderful. Thank you for sharing your heart with us. And I just want to finish out by asking how have you learned to approach challenges in order to step out and stay focused on your goals?
1: I think my whole agenda towards going again going out in the world and going against all the issues I deal with is just properly understanding the power of manifestation and the power of like having the goals. It's like, for me, it's like packing for a vacation, you know, you can't take everything. So take your time and take some things out. So I have to be really honest about like what I'm going to use on this road, you know, what can I pack to go on this journey properly planning, having short-term and long-term goals. I think for me, when I was a little kid, I told myself, okay, by the time I turn 25, I'm going to be living in the body I am. I'm going to be living in New York City. I'm going to be on the cover of a magazine. And before I could turn 25, I had got it all done before I was like 22. You know what I mean? So at 22, I started building new goals for myself. So I tell that to everyone, like everyone I know that is dealing with like what they want to do is just like start off with some goals and just get those out the way. Um, Most recently, one of my best friends, he was dealing with a lot of stuff, um, just a lot homelessness and issues with where he wants to be. And I told him like, make a list of everything that you want to do in this year. And I sat down with him like a few weeks ago and we sat down. He said, I accomplished everything on my list and the year's not even over.
0: Yes. I love that. Well, I hope that everyone listening takes that and can do that for themselves. You are such a light. It was literally such an honor and a blessing to get to talk to you. I want and to talk some
1: more. I know. I want us to talk more.
0: Well, we're like- going to be friends because we're, we're Sag Taurus sisters. Yes, so you are. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to hit you up in your DMs. And we're going to be friends because I just love your energy and I need that in my life. So thank you. You Thank you. You are so beautiful. I can't wait to see everything that you accomplish from here on out. I am a fan for life. So in your cheering section, cheering so loudly.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate conversation, especially when it's wrapped around healing. So thank you for thank this you. moment and this opportunity to speak and, um, you know, to teach and, you know, to also learn from you. So thank you. Thank you.
0: This episode of the Step is presented by Pop Sugar and Sorel, powerful footwear for unstoppable individuals. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Step wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katie Stevens. We'll be back next week.